Welcome to the Work From Home edition of Market Week in Review for the week ending April 3rd, 2020. I'm Sophie antel and I'm joined today by our Senior Portfolio Manager, Megan Roach. Good morning, Megan. Hi, Sophie. It's a pleasure to see you and to get to hear you today. Um, even though we can't be in the same room, at least we can connect this way via video conference. Um, we have had a number of developments in sort of the, the COVID world and, and social distancing world with now having reached a million cases this week globally and a number of governments extending their social distancing policies beyond um, the, the rest of this month. Um, a lot of them have extended into May and, and some even into June. Certainly in the U.S., we've had uh, official announcements about extensions through the rest of through the rest of April. That has had implications on economies and also on markets that I'm hoping that we can pick your brain on. Um, maybe starting Absolutely. on the economic side. Um, and then going into the markets. So the um, the economic data releases that we've seen this week have sort of focused on the ISM manufacturing index, on consumer confidence, on jobless yeah. claims. I'd love to get your thoughts on what caught your eye there. Maybe let's start with the ISM um, data release earlier this week. Sure. So we had a couple releases from ISM, both on the manufacturing and the services side. Uh, on Wednesday, we got the manufacturing index release. Um, if you recall, any reading above 50 is an expansionary reading, below 50 is contractionary. That index moved from 50.1 uh, in February to 49.1 in March. And so that does show a decline. Um, however, the survey responses uh, came throughout the month, so it probably doesn't capture the full brunt of what's going on in, in the economy today. Um, one of the subcomponents in particular is focused on new orders. That, that part of the index moved to 42.2, so that's probably a better indicator of how things are traveling. Um, I'm sure our listeners can, can guess there is there were some periods of parts of strength uh, on the manufacturing side, things when we're all staying at home, there's more demand for food, medicine, safety equipment, home supplies, um, but those positives are, have been few and far between and are likely to stay um, more on the negative side in the coming months. Um, on the non-manufacturing side, that ISM data was just released this morning. That index fell from 57 in February to 52, so still above 50, um, but I think that's another one that we'll see declines in in the coming months. If you recall from last winter, we were frequently talking about how the manufacturing side of the economy was lagging the service sector, um, and despite today's positive results or or less bad results on the services side, I think those tables are probably likely to turn because areas in services like retail and leisure and hospitality are probably going to see some of the most dramatic impacts from the global containment measures that are going on. Um, for a little bit of context on, on what numbers to expect uh, from ISM in the coming months, uh, the troughs that we reached in 2001 uh, for those numbers were in the low 40s. Uh, in the 2008 recession, they reached down into the mid 30s. Globally, we're seeing some similar drops uh, with PMI readings coming from Italy, France, Germany, and the UK as well. So I think the, the trend in manufacturing and PMI data is likely to be pretty consistent in a downward trajectory uh, around the world. Well, that helps a lot, especially sort of seeing what, what is happening in the U.S. and also getting to hear about what is happening in, in other parts of the world that are going through similar situations. How are their economies being affected? I wonder how how are consumer confidence readings looking that we got some new releases this week on that? What is what are those telling us? 
Sure. So in the U.S., we had a Consumer Confidence Index release on Tuesday. Uh, the peak of that back in 2018 was a reading of 138. That declined to 132 in February. And then just this week, the March number of 120 was released. Again, this measurement only captured through March 19th. So there's probably some more, um, some more information to come in the coming weeks and months about con how consumers are feeling. One of the more forward-looking parts of that index uh, was a specific question on how consumers view the next six months, that part of the gauge fell to 88. Um, again, to give some historical context for what uh, what viewers might see, um, that overall consumer confidence index fell to 25 in early 2009. Oh, wow. I imagine that consumer confidence is also sort of influenced by jobless claims and by unemployment. Um, we got those numbers out this week as well. What, where are things looking there? I know that last week we suddenly saw a big jump in, in unemployment numbers. Where is that trending this week? Right. As you know, this is where some of the biggest numbers have been released in the headlines uh, recently. Um, going into uh, February and March, we had U.S. unemployment at a 50-year low. Typical new claims for unemployment averaged around 200,000 per week. As you mentioned last week, we had a record-breaking 3.3 million Americans who filed for unemployment. And this week, that number doubled to 6.6 .6 million of additional filings. So if you take that all together, it's about a 10 million uh, person total for unemployment filings. That probably puts the unemployment rate in the U.S. around 10 percent uh, and expectations that that could increase up into the teens over the coming months. There's also been such an influx of filings that state offices are having a hard time keeping up. So as those systems uh, are able to catch up with the demand uh, for applications, we'll see some bigger numbers. Um, that unemployment picture was reinforced uh, just this morning. We had non-farm payrolls report uh, showing a loss of 700,000 jobs. Uh, again, the vast majority of that coming in the leisure and hospitality industries. Wow. I guess as to be expected and some and a data point that we'll continue to watch very closely. Unfortunately so. I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's, it's actual lives. Um, I'm wondering on the market side, how did markets react to all of this information? We're sort of getting, you know, a bit of drip of information from the economic data side every day this week. How have markets reacted? Sure. So um, it doesn't it doesn't feel like we've wrapped up much of anything, but officially the first quarter did end on Tuesday on March 31st. Um, that was a quarter that felt like a lifetime for for many of us, I'm sure. Um, the global equity markets ended down a little over 20 percent uh, in many regions of the world. That's one of uh, the worst quarters that we've had since the financial crisis. Um, during that final week of the quarter, so this would have been last week, we did see a pretty notable rally in equity markets. I think the drawdown um, likely triggered some quarter-end rebalancing um, as people are looking to maintain their long-term investment strategy, which we're obviously in favor of, um, and maintaining an appropriate asset allocation between, say, for example, stocks and bonds um, that brought some buying into the equity market. Uh, since then, and kind of despite the challenging headlines that I've just shared with you, capital market performance looks to be wrapping up the week pretty flat, um, maybe plus or minus 2%, depending on the asset class in the region around the world. So while we're, we're likely not out of the woods um, on some of these negative headlines, it does seem like the market wasn't particularly surprised by any of the numbers that came out this week. Looking forward, I think markets will continue to discount the consensus view of the most probable scenarios. That could be things like seeing a negative 15% decline 
uh, in second quarter GDP in the U.S. We could see earnings per share declines for U.S. companies in the 20 to 30 percent range. Um, but there's going to be probably a continued level of daily volatility because the range of outcomes on a lot of these metrics is so wide at this point in time. Um, as uh, just maybe to wrap up, as my colleagues uh, Paul Eidelman and Eric Ristabin have been sharing in their daily blog posts, the, the expectation is that the data in April um, and likely into the summer is going to be really challenging. Um, but seeing relatively benign market performance in weeks like this, when we have some of these big headlines come out, um, means that perhaps investors have sort of mentally prepared for this. So um, that might be the good news that we need to close on today. Excellent. Well, we do enjoy hearing the good news as well as <laughs> as well as the real news, which at the moment is is sort of dominated by somewhat challenging headlines and headwinds that we're all facing. But at least we are facing them together. Um, and with that, Megan, um, unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. But thank you for your insights and for taking the time to join us today. And thank you for joining us, too. We'll be back soon.